0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature.
1: It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.
0: But I think what I what I've been able to cultivate is this relentless continuous of like I want to grow, I want to grab, I want to change, I want to do this. I want to keep going after these interesting things because I have a different relationship with death than I think most people do. I think people need to really understand their relationship with death to have a much better relationship with life.
1: All right, welcome back everybody to another episode of The Look Up Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Weinstein. And as has become a tradition of late, I just want to start off by thanking you all for listening. Thank you so much for your time, for your attention, for your commitment to this community. It means a lot to me to know that you're out there and that these episodes are resonating with you. I continue to get great feedback from some of you about the show, and it just feels so good to know that the work that we're doing here is impactful. We're deep into the quarantine zone. It's April 12th, 2020, week four of quarantine during the COVID-19 crisis. This episode was recorded in February, but I believe that it's just incredible to me how some of the episodes I recorded right before this dramatic change in our lifestyles have such profound messages that are critical for this moment in time. This episode focuses heavily on facing our own mortality and finding stillness, understanding that life comes to us as it will, and we have to develop a love of fate. My guest today is Justin Resvani. Justin is an accomplished individual. Uh, at the age of 24, he started a company called The Amplify which grew into a profitable influencer marketing platform that had a daily reach of more than $500 in 2013. His clients included Cody, Nestle, Taco Bell, Ford, and Unilever. And so in 2016, after building this behemoth in the marketing space, Justin sold it to you and Mr. Jones, a brand technology company founded by the former CEO of Havas, David Jones. And after selling his company, he was... Seemingly uh, slightly pushed out and he realized that he was Extraordinarily out of shape physically. He was over 200 pounds. uh, He was a self-professed alcoholic and He made the decision that he had accomplished his his goal on the business front But that he had lost track of other areas of his life And so he was going to set a new goal by refocusing his energy on his health He was just about to turn 30 when he finished his first triathlon, which led him down the path of becoming a professional athlete in Ironman, and he completed it. He completed an Ironman, and directly after completing the Ironman, Justin realized and discovered that he had a brain tumor, and he would need brain surgery to heal it. Uh, He spent time in the hospital and had to face death, look at clearing the eye, realizing that. He might not live beyond this brain surgery. And after surviving, he's refocused his energy on finding stillness and on cultivating a stronger relationship uh, with death. And here we are, right, facing this COVID-19 crisis, and all of us are faced with our own mortality and the mortality of those around us. And so I asked Justin, as I ask all of my guests what the most important takeaway he wanted listeners to leave this episode with. And he responded that he wants you to reflect on your own mortality. There's a lot of other great discussions in here. Justin and I talk about relationships. We talk about essentialism. We discuss using crisis points as a channel for change in your life. I really enjoy this conversation. I hope that you do too. I think that it's really so timely uh, to be releasing this right now. And once again, thank you all so much for your support. I have started a Patreon account for listeners to contribute to this community. I'll share more in the new closing of this episode. But without further interruption from me, I bring you Justin Resvani. So Justin, thanks for coming on the Look Up podcast today. Really appreciate it. Honored. Appreciate you. I appreciate you, man. Um, So I have so many questions. Yeah. Uh, I was kind of hoping that we could start with, uh, if you could tell us a little bit about how it felt um, to know that you might possibly only have one day left to live. So it's You know, been interesting. Today is
0: actually is 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 the 90 days from my stroke and seizure. So there's a little bit of symbolism here and kind of what we're (laughs) we're talking through today. Um, Yeah, 90 days ago was when everything kind of unfolded, and I was, you know, in the ICU, and you know, they're telling me I have a brain tumor and my brain's bleeding, and they're trying to control it and stabilize it. And there's this overwhelming feeling of, you know is this it right is this the end of of whatever it is and you know this nurse is just hugging me and seeing me cry and you know it's probably the most vulnerable i've ever been and i what i was able to unpack in that moment was i have truly lived a full life in, in so many ways and, and fully faced the fact that if it was my last day uh, when i was going through that experience that i would live in peace that i would die in peace and i would die truly happy and what's been interesting is that every moment since that day, right, this is day 90 since that initial experience, I've been fully immersed in in mastering what does death mean to me and what does my relationship the moment I die look like? Because in a lot of ways, to me, the most important moment in our lives is the day we die. Hmm. It's the day is the culmination of everything that we've experienced. And that moment in which we transition into the next world or whatever you want to believe in is, in fact, the most momentous and important moment of your life. So um, in a lot of ways, that's really been my mission in the last 90 days is understand what that means. And in, in living, I'm actually preparing to die. That's, that's exactly what I'm doing right now.
1: It's beautiful. I, um, I'm reminded of kind of the, the, yo- the ancient yogis, you know, the yoga practitioners who um, believe that we are born with a certain number of heartbeats. And that through controlling our breath, we're able to control the rate of our heartbeat, and thus, in some ways, the moment of death. Assuming that there's no, you know, outside occurrence that happens, and uh, you know, Gandhi talked about what you think about the moment you die plays an important role if you believe in reincarnation into how you're reincarnated absolutely or whether or not you're reincarnated absolutely it's a lot of ramdas around that same topic yeah and and speaking of death and you know ramdas is we we lost a great spiritual teacher on this plane very recently uh with ramdas as well so I it's it's interesting i feel like we're all playing we're all playing these games you know these games that maybe we're taught from a young age, whether it be the money game or the, the success and fame game or the, the fitness game or whatever it is. But in the end, there's there's one game that we can't avoid playing. And it's the game of it's literally the game of life and death. So you said over the last 90 days, you've been exploring kind of what death means to you. Would you share a little bit more about what it means to you now?
0: Yeah, I think To me, the day you die is when your
1: soul has completed its work, work on earth,
0: it's fully Mm -hmm. completed all the things that it needs to do. And it's perfectly the right time in which it's supposed to happen. And there's, to me, many awakening moments along that path. You know, I've been blessed that I've essentially been able to live three very separate lives in the last 31 years, right? I had a very interesting business career. Yeah, then I had a, you know, 18 months of training as if I was a professional athlete, I'm not, I'm not a professional athlete, but I was training like, like if I was one, that's all I did for about a year. And then now I've been mastering stillness. And I think this, this culmination of all these things is that death to me is a mastery of how you can be still with yourself Mm. and how you can really solve for what is enough in your life. I think one of the things that, you know, you talk about, and I see a lot of people continuously chasing is like, they're chasing more because they don't understand what the cap of enough is in their life. I think that, that that delta of what is enough really is what we're all trying to solve for. It's like, what makes you feel enough? How big is your business to make you feel enough? How much is your, um, your, your fitness tied to being enough? All these things that you're striving like, what is in fact enough? And when you get down to the synthesis of everything that we're working towards, enough is not as much as people think, you know, I've been very blessed in my life that I've, you know, I've, I've, I've done well in the companies and business and all that. But I think what's been that's transcended me to this next situation that I'm in now is that I think I've found what enough is for me. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm not interested in, you know, you know, going and trying to do this another huge tech company all over again and just being one of those repeatable entrepreneurs and building, building, building. Yeah, Because that's not really the path I wanna continue on. That's not what I've found in my soul is what that I really want. Could I do it? Absolutely. Do I have the credentials to do it? Absolutely. Do I have the experience to do it? Absolutely. I have all the cards to do it all over again. But I found what enough is and now this is where I'm transcending to this other spiritual path that I wanna grow on.
1: So what is enough for you? And, and when you say enough, are you speaking in terms of financial abundance Are you speaking in terms of. It's, it's everything, it's right? Everything. Like when I was building my company, I was consistently
0: fighting this. I am not enough as a human being. Yeah, And I know a lot of us are fighting that story. Absolutely. That's the story that makes us, oh, I got to have more money or I got to have this business. Has I'll to be, be happy high. when I'll be happy when, Yeah, because this, this is not enough. Right. And, you know. I think I've just gotten to a point where I understand what enough is and now cultivating the finer points within that and perfecting these little things is kind of what I'm going for. Mm. And it all comes down to like, if if you look at the synthesis of what makes things great, it's finding out what is essential Mm. and having relentless focus within that topic. I think one thing I've been very blessed with is that I have a very clear outcome-oriented relationship with things. And I have relentless focus in very specific areas. And I, I, I spend all of my time when I'm doing something, I dive into that topic as much as I can to become an expert within that window. Mm. When I was running my company, I became an expert in that topic and my life revolves around that. When I was training as an athlete, Ironman was my life and understanding fitness within all the specific things around fitness, recovery and nutrition was my life. And now transitioning and figuring out how to to die, I mean, essentially from my seizure up until my surgery, those six weeks was me figuring out if if I was going to die within my my surgery, you know, when they open up your brain and they're cutting capillaries, you could lose a lot of blood like they have to put a main line in your neck in case you're losing a lot of blood. And things can happen when your brain gets open. They don't know what's going on. They're like, oh, this is your right temporal lobe. Not a lot of things happen in that area. Now we're seeing that actually the right temporal lobe is where consciousness lies. Where they removed my cavernoma is where consciousness is where they think it is. So there's a lot of things that can happen as a result of that. And so I, that's what I was preparing for for six weeks. And a lot of things get unpacked in that. And I think what I'll what you'll see over the next few months for me is, is is now building a system for myself around how I recap that. And I'm working on a like a personal diary around the last basic 12 years of my life. Uh,
1: so much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for sharing all I of that. I hope I'm I'm, I'm guiding we're going the right way. No, totally I mean there's no there's no right way. It's just like we're just flowing. I think I think just stepping back to the question of what is enough, I think you nailed it in the middle of, of what you were saying it's not so much a question of what is enough that I think we're all asking. I think we're all asking, and I certainly am uh, fall victim to this all the time is, am I enough? Am I enough? You know, like, and, and then that fundamentally leads to this other question of who am I, (laughs) who is the I that is enough? Because am I, my, you know, am I, my track record of accomplishments? Am I the friends that I've accumulated over time? Am I this body? Am I my thoughts? Right? And and I I feel I feel that I'm so much more than that. I feel that we are all so much more than that and that as you said, if if everyone dies at this perfect moment, the moment that they've kind of finished their their duty on this earth or finished their yeah, their path on this earth. Perhaps everyone is perfectly themselves as they should be. You know, like Maybe I haven't had a certain level of, you know, financial success, but that's okay. You know, I still am the best version of myself, but it's interesting because you also are someone that, you know, you also are someone that clearly thrives towards self-improvement towards self-actualization. So there is simultaneously this, this cultivating stillness, but there's also a goal oriented mentality that I'm, I'm hearing from you both you know, in, in business and this relentless focus that you have and have had on building a company and then on your fitness and now on stillness. I guess guiding towards a question here, how do you reconcile, how do you balance between stillness, which in and of itself is the removal of goal and then cultivating these, these goals Right of understanding death, understanding yourself? How do you balance goal-oriented mentality with with stillness? I think
0: you can have both because I Mm. think stillness within yourself and finding enough is just changing the trajectory of where is this all coming from and what is this all for? If your path towards peace Mm. is... A result of you having to do some things but the end goal is this eventual outcome of stillness then I think it's the right path mm. my previous whatever you want to call endeavors had a very different expected outcome like I built a company to make money
1: mm-hmm.
0: so then I could be free mm. and like I- th- this is a this this path that I'm on now is a very different kind of Stepping stone path to get to a place where actually I don't know what the end of a stillness path
1: when, looks like. I, I wanna I wanna continue on that thread because that is actually what you just said is something that has been a goal in my life for a while, that had been a goal in my life for a while. I want to build something to make money and the purpose of money is freedom. Can you talk to me as someone that has achieved that fin- that level of financial success when you got to the other side of that money? Did it did it create the freedom that you desired? it took two years to two
0: years of no and the last two years yes because there's this there's a concept when you I guess just in my opinion where when you have something for some reason people are always living above their means consistently this is like a a, like a, a track record that you can see with a lot of people out there where the reason things aren't enough is because they always live beyond their means. They always live in something that's a little bit bigger than they can afford. They buy a car that they can't afford. They buy a watch that they shouldn't have. They buy, a you know, all these toys that they don't necessarily have because we've built a system that that, that, that in, that's interested in consumerism. So we always buy more than our actual means. Okay. Two years ago, something happened to me where I needed to figure out really what was enough and not by any means go beyond what my means are and figure out, okay, this is what I've done in my life. This is the freedom that I'm looking to achieve. This is how much money I need a month to just be that freedom. And I don't, like, these are all the things I need. What, What does my lifestyle have to look like for that? It was very kind of financially built at first. And I got, I just got to a place where my life is so simple. I don't, I don't live the kind of life that I guess a lot of people in my bracket, whatever you want to say, live. They drive super fancy cars. They like to have, you know, go to nightclubs and fancy restaurants. They wear fancy stuff. They wear fancy clothing they you know, I don't do any of that anymore. I don't mm-hmm. have like when I first did, when I was, you know, 27, and I sold my company. I thought those are the things I needed. I went and bought a bunch of watches. I drove a Porsche. I had a huge house in Venice. I had all these things. I was like, oh, this is what you're supposed to have when you have money. And then I quickly realized that that's just a bunch of consumerism horseshit. It's not the actual truth of what you need. And what I've been like- It's
1: so funny because we hear this all the time, right? Like the counterbalance to the consumer culture is material things don't buy you happiness. Money can't buy you love. Whatever, you know, whatever the, the kind of, trite but true phrase around material well-being, not bringing happiness is. And yet so many of us, so many of us still fall into that trap and myself included, you know, if I have this, then I will. Right. And not a watch necessarily, but if I have this level of financial abundance. So how, you know, how would as it's everyone's experience is different, but as someone that experienced that financial success and then went and bought all these things and later realized, okay, you know, actually that is, it is horseshit. People have told me it's horseshit, but it actually is. And I felt that. How can people preemptively stop themselves from falling into that trap? Because I guess extending that question, some people may never actually achieve the financial success of now I have the wealth and I realize that it's actually bullshit. They might be better served by realizing it today that that chase is actually bullshit. So, is there anything that you would recommend, or any any experience that you could highlight that would show, hey, like maybe you haven't achieved the material well-being that you desire, but realize that getting there might not change things, anyways. So, if I understand the question, is like, if you, if I could give some insight to someone that's chasing. Mm-hmm.
0: I think that
1: someone that's in the chase, that's exactly. in the chase, that's yeah. that's
0: deeply in the chase. Look, I also think going through the entire process is part of the learning.
1: Mm. So
0: I, I can say a lot of things in hindsight, right? Everything hindsight yeah. twenty twenty. You could be like, oh, I should have done this. Or now I think about this. I think the process of what I went through to mm. get to this place is also part of the experience. So I also think that there is value in someone going through that process. But the, the but the big key is that you have to take moments that are very impactful and use them strategically, right? So um, like moments of crisis, right? So I've had many moments of crisis in my life and I don't just step back and say, okay, this moment of crisis, I'm just gonna let it go. I use that moment of crisis to create forks and roads for my life. I had a seizure. So I created, this is a crisis moment. I'm gonna change things about my life. I left my company and I can't get into details on the exact details of that, but that was a crisis point for me to change a trajectory. I was fired from one of my jobs. That's a crisis point in my trajectory. You know, These are all crisis points that I use, and then I determine where I'm gonna go with these roads. People have their own crisis points. Everyone has one. If you can use these crisis points as a channel of change, and say, okay, maybe this is a wake up, wake up call for me to go in a different direction, then mm. maybe we can optimize what we need to do in our life. I mean, Rahm Emanuel told Obama this and said, when there's a crisis point, take advantage of that crisis point and make a better decision or, or take advantage of it. So if you take advantage of your crisis points, I think you can make optimal decisions along the way, but just identifying those crisis points properly. And just
1: you know, echoing that back to you, thank you for that share is really interesting. Um, it's we, We humans, many of us, um, spend so much time avoiding crisis, avoiding pain, in fear of loss, in fear of those moments. And yet, I'm hearing you describe that those are, in fact, the best opportunities to make changes in your life that can alter the entire trajectory of, of your well-being, of your mental health, of whatever it may be.
0: Yeah, and I think the 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 thing is that I see a lot is that a lot of people talk about the things that they want, mm. but they don't apply the practices necessary to get to that outcome. Interesting. That's a realistic situation, right? Like like how like people are, how did you create this wealth or how did you sell a company in 900 days? How did you build? And the facts are I made sacrifices to mm-hmm. do these things. I gave up time. Mm-hmm. I put in hours. I put in the work. It was mm-hmm. relentless focus on one outcome. And if you're not
1: willing to do that, you're not going to get the outcome. What do, say, what do you say to the people that are willing to do that and do that, but they don't get the outcome anyways? I, I, do you believe that that's true? I, I don't know. I don't know an actual example of that. I don't
0: know an example of someone that truly has put in the exact type of focus mm. that I had in starting and building and growing my company. Mm. I, don't know any, I don't know an actual case study besides myself that got a similar outcome. Because I, I see, I, like right now I'm an observer and I watch things. There's a lot of people that are like, oh, I want to grow this company. I want to do this. Yet they still go to Coachella. Mm. They, yet they still live for the weekends. Yet they still party until midnight and they go out on the weekends and they do all that. These are things that are not, they don't work in the exact same way. Mm. The most successful people, if they're in whatever field that they're doing, have a relentless focus to that specific thing. There's something to be said about focus. They're an essentialist in that specific topic and what they want to build and grow. You can't have, if you're trying to get to this level up, you can't really have, your cake and eat it too. In my opinion, mm. this is just from my opinion. Is there- it's played out in two different ways for me. It's played out in business. It's played out as an athlete. And I have actual metrics to back up these two differences in what I like. So I know this process of relentless focus works. Mm. I've applied it in become basically being broke and not and then being fat and and doing an Ironman. So I have two extreme examples of, of it working. So mm. that's kind of just my perspective is I don't believe people are really w- willing to sacrifice certain mm. things to get to that place
1: that they want. So yeah, that's, that's interesting. It's, um, it's something that I I kind of in the in the let's call it like self-help world, right? Of you know, different podcasters and and thought leaders in, in these communities, there's there's often um, there's kind of like these these conver diverging schools of thought, right? There's like the there's like the um, spiritual treat yourself right, you know, be kind to yourself, no negative self talk, you know, trust the process, et cetera, the universe provides, whatever. And then there's this other school of thought, which is like, you are manifestly, you are in control of your own destiny. You are, you know, if, if you want it, you just have to work harder. You, you can get it, et cetera. And there's, you know, I tend to, and, and I hear this, this later thought process um, coming from you. And I tend to, uh, to agree to an extent, but I also, there's a but there for me. And perhaps this is maybe because I haven't been able to get over that chasm, right, of just like complete belief that I am the designer of my of my destiny, which is circumstance, timing, um, luck. Right. And there's different definitions of luck. These things do play a role. 100 percent
0: they play a role. But the question is, do you take advantage for them at the right time? Mm-hmm. I hate to interrupt you. No, no but, this is great. This but, is, but I think that's the catalyst that people are missing sometimes yeah. is that they there there are so many circumstances that we can dive into of where I could have gone down this way, but I went this way and I got this eventual outcome. I could have gone this way, but I went this way and I got this outcome. There is some sort of a mentality that if you continuously will go after and reach for these different things, you're going to step up higher in whatever you're trying to do. The thing I see a lot is I don't think people are grabbing enough of these like little things that are showing them these new ways because they're stuck in their own whatever story. So mm. luck and circumstance, I think is there in a lot of cases, but people are just not in the right mindset to grab it. Mm. I'm, I don't think I'm special and this, I say this so much, I don't think I'm gifted. I'm made of the same thing you are. I think I'm a normal person. I'm not gifted as an athlete. I'm not gifted, I don't think so. I don't think I have anything special than, mm-hmm. than you do. But I think what, I, what I've been able to cultivate is this relentless continuous of like, I wanna grow, I wanna grab, I wanna change, I wanna do this, I wanna keep going after these interesting things because I have a different relationship with death than I think most people do. Right? When I was 19, I was in a really bad car accident. My car flipped on the freeway three times. From that day, I realized that death and I have, we're, we're, we talk to each other. We talk to each other on a, on a consistent basis. And because I had cultivated a different relationship with my eventual mortality, with my mortality on this planet, I've been able to cultivate a life that allows me to grab things a little bit more. So I go back to kind of what we first talked about, which is death. I think people need to really understand their relationship with death to have a much better relationship with life.
1: Mm. and and how can we improve our relationship with death
0: to not be afraid of talking about it Mm. go visit a cemetery and just sit there Mm -hmm. go 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 to a cemetery people are terrified of cemeteries i was terrified of going to cemeteries Mm. i was there on i was there one one two days ago and i just walked around i mean i went and saw my grandfather's grave but i walked around I was like, this is like, you know, this just settles in. I was like meditating for 20 minutes. They're like, you settle in with that energy. Like these were all people that had lives, right? And now they don't. Mm. And that's you eventually. Like that's going to happen to all of us. So what are you going to do while you're here? What are you going to do while you're here? Are you going to lean into all these other things that everyone's doing? Are you going to create your own path? People do what they want to
1: do. And yeah, I don't know. so a couple of things that I, that I'm hearing from you. The first is that focus. So kind of like a one pointed focus rather than falling prey, let's call it to distraction okay. is an extremely powerful tool to achieve whatever goal you want, whether it be fitness-based, whether it be work-based or whether even it be stillness. And the other is kind of this like me- memento mor- t- mori? Memento mori. Memento mori. This concept of remind yourself regularly that you are going to die right? because that will encourage you to do the things that you want to do in life today rather than putting them off. And those two, this relentless focus and this constant specter of death that hangs over all of us, but bringing that to your consciousness, these two factors have led you to lead a life that you are extremely proud of to the extent that if you died tomorrow or or if you had died 90 days ago, you felt that you had lived this this full life
0: yeah and I, I look at the two things is actually i look at two stoic words i look at amor fate okay and i look at memento mori okay and both tattooed on my arm in two weeks actually yeah but and you're a big look, and you're
1: a big fan of the stoics
0: i am a big fan of the stoics i mean like all of them i mean seneca epictetus marcus mm-hmm. aurelius like i mean i walk around with their books like i'm yeah like it's i literally they're in my hand or in my it's car beautiful. and it's constantly reading them but beautiful. but yeah. i look at i look at you know and amor fate is the catalyst of like Every moment that happens to you is supposed to happen to you. It's the love of fate. It's mm. the love of fate that happens in your life. And Memento Mori is, you know, we're going to die. Like, it's like your, your constant nature of like, this is going to eventually happen to you. I think if you play life in those two ways and understand that everything's made, like like my friend Peter Crone says this, he's like, We have the audacity to think that we know how the universe should work sometimes. We have like
1: us, we have the audacity that that's how it works, yet we should lean into the actual experience. And this is is stepping back. So that, that hubris that we have is basically taking an experience that is objective, it just is, it happened. And then taking our neocortex, you know, the human capacity to judge and saying that was good or that was bad positive or negative applying some kind of subjective frame or story around something that just is and this is the concept the concept of amor fati i don't know if i pronounce it right is basically saying just love what happens to you acceptance is the word that comes to mind for me acceptance and so it's so fa- it's fascinating though because you are from what i can tell a massive doer right? You're massive. You execute, you want something, you go out and get it. You're fat. You want to go do a triathlon. You go and do it in however many, you know, months, 18 months or whatever it was. And you're like a top fit athlete in that amount of time. And yet, Amorfati Fati is not about doing, it's about accepting and being. So again, there's these, I'm sensing these paradoxes I would disagree though with you that they're paradoxes. Okay, well, real quick, so. Okay, tell me why. <laughs>
0: because because along the way, just because you're goal oriented mm. doesn't mean like you can have the love of fate, right? So in the first three months of me training for my Ironman, my left knee was like shot, so I couldn't run for a month. I look at that, I'm like, oh, shit, I'm not going to be able to do my Ironman in six six months. What am I going to do? Then I have to rest and do that. Like, I look at these things that happen along the way. It does not need to change the trajectory. It's just accepting the situation and finding the outcome to get over it to still get to your eventual goal. I think amor fati does not apply to you not being goal-oriented. It's just accepting the critical paths along the way.
1: Mm. So it's, it's, it's just... So there's, there's an end point, which is this goal that you're trying to reach. And there's quote unquote obstacles, but they're not truly obstacles. They're just realities that then you maneuver around or you accept move through, or they, maybe they change the course. I don't know. And Ryan, Howe they wrote a book on this. The obstacle is the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so in fact, going back like, to stoicism, I read the daily stoic it, every single day. Yeah. I so at Halliday. the
0: end of the day, it, the obstacles, in fact, are the way because the obstacles are what make you. Mm. I look at moments that I've had in business at hour 11 in the middle of an Ironman, uh, like, you know, after an 18 mile run, after a hard training day, after, you know, flying around the world, talking to clients and getting a bunch of no's. These experiences are what still helped me today to get up. Because they're built in, you're like, oh, you've experienced some shit, like you've gone through that. So it's a culmination of all these things that allow you to get to this eventual whatever whatever place we are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's important really to cultivate a practice of stillness as much as you can. Like I, I also compare a lot of things. Like I don't live by any regrets, but I think if I applied some of these practices of stoicism mm-hmm. earlier in my life, like when I was 24, I mean, I started my company when I was 24 years old. I was a child. I never really had a job like i didn't didn't know what i was doing and not to make any excuses of me not knowing what i was doing i just reality i didn't know what i was doing it's just the truth if i would have applied some of these practices i truly believe i could have been even more successful than i was Mm. i believe that in my heart i believe that if i would have taken some of these practices and i could have been a little bit more Um, because i don't think it takes away your drive i think it just it just allows you to just steer the car a little bit better the analogy plays right
1: yeah Stillness. Stillness is, a, is an interesting concept because, again, sometimes I think that the most the most worthwhile questions in life are result in in a paradox, meaning that they're they're two seemingly contradictory um, answers. But you ha- we as individuals and humans, I think, what's so special about humans is we have the capacity to hold two seemingly conflicting ideas simultaneously. And so, what I'm what I'm seeing in you, or ref, you know, what I'm reflecting back to you, is a man of action who's cultivating stillness. Do you, do you see the the paradox there? Somewhat. Somewhat, right? Like I. There's this concept in Taoism in, in called uwe, which means non-action. And it's, it doesn't literally mean to sit in a cave and do nothing. It's, it's so hard to explain, but it's this concept of stillness within action and realizing that even not acting, even choosing not to pursue a goal, is in and of itself acting. acting. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it's so cool to, you know, to, to meet you and to connect with you and, you know, to hear you talk about the goal of stillness. Right. Right. Because it seems, it seems like, like stillness has no goals, right? Like meditation has no goals and yet and yet, we practice to generate more stillness. Right,
0: yeah, and one of the things I would, I would, I would bring some interesting paradoxes is like the output is always growth, right? Mm-hmm. Like in all the things that we're talking about, the output is to increase our consciousness or growth or whatever you wanna call it. And let me just compare it as an athlete, right? There's a lot of studies now, and I I do have to attribute a a little bit of my, I think, success as an athlete and progressing so quickly was not a result of my drive of getting up and swimming and biking and running and doing all the things that you have to do to get in there, but it was actually what I did in the recovery phases that actually made me advance so quickly. It wasn't the fact that I was just running like everybody else and doing the same mileage and and all. It was actually what I did and didn't do in the recovery phase of building my endurance, my saunas, my ice baths, my Normatex, my massages, the sleep of getting over 8 to 10 hours, eating the perfect food at the exact right time, having the right thing right before I was training and have the right thing right afterwards, then not doing stuff was actually the things that made me grow even faster. Mm. So there's this difference. It's not like you're just well, out there and running. So I think that the comparisons are just as important in business. I think where I failed when I was younger and, and, and was I didn't do enough of the not doing mm. when I was running my company. I was doing a lot of the doing, but not enough of not doing. And now I'm going to the complete opposite of not doing the not doing.
1: Yeah, I, I feel that. I struggle as, as a young entrepreneur. I've struggled with um, with hyperactivity, you know, like chasing leads too aggressively, not allowing them to, to simmer, not creating that space. So I, I totally hear that, especially as a young man trying to build a company. It's, uh, there's, a, um, there's, a, there's a propensity towards action, even when action can be harmful, right? It's like this, the concept of like cancer. It's like hyperactivity of cell growth, right? It's just too much. So, so I feel that Um, I want to step back because, you know, you keep talking about becoming an athlete, but the listeners, you know, let's just assume that they haven't heard your story before. Like, you know, so you sell your business. business. So we can talk about your company as well later, but like you sell your company. Sell the company in April 2016. Okay. How old are you? 27. 27. Okay.
0: I leave the company January, 2019. Okay. No,
1: 2018. Sorry. So, so so a year later.
0: A year and a half later. Yeah. Golden okay. handcuffs are gone. Okay. year and a half later. I'm, I'm 240 pounds. So 240 I'm,
1: pounds. I'm
0: a little overweight. You can I just posted a photo on Instagram. About yeah. I,
1: I would love to share a link to that. Um,
0: so, and I had basically, I was like, okay, so I don't have a company anymore. I don't have any emails. No one cares about me. Yeah. What do I do? What do I do? I like look at myself. I'm like, holy shit. I should probably focus on my health. <laughs> like i should probably fit because i'm pretty unhappy at this point like i'm eating yeah. garbage i'm not like you know I, and i'd done you know i was like i'd done one triathlon but i did it in like four hours or something like that it was mm. just terrible i was like i could barely run i could barely bike but i knew how to swim so i was like you know what i'm gonna do an now That's what I'm going to
1: do. So I'm like, can't just like, I'm not just going to go to the gym and get fit. I'm going to do Iron Ironman.
0: So, and I found this list of the 30 and this was, I was 27 at this 29 at this time, by the time I left. So I was like, and I found this list of the 30 things I wanted to do before I turned 30. And the one thing I didn't do was do an Ironman. I did everything else on the list. So I was like, what else? What else was on the list? I have a post on this as well, but, uh, start a company sell a company buy a house mm. have this much money in my bank account i don't know all this stuff fall in love, fall out of love mm. um oh we're gonna talk fr- about love re- later yeah being a fraternity living in a fraternity house all these things i did in my 20s basically mm. but anyway so so i found the this iron man that i can do like t- 13 days before i turn 30 so I did, I did, it was a half Ironman, it was in Hawaii. It wasn't like the longest race you can do. But then I got like kind of addicted. I was like, this is cool, I wanna do this. So let, mm. let me prepare for a real one. And a full one is not like double the prepare. it's like four times the amount of preparation. So then like in October, I kinda of got my shit together, then I got a coach, mm. and then for the next like year, not year, but basically like 10 months, I trained like for real, for real. Like 25 to 35 hours a week mm. training. On the bike, in the pool, running, recovery, like 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 a real like it's your real thing. It's your job. That was my job. When I did an Ironman in, in in August of last year, so I got to that. So, but
1: then I got to 172 Amazing. pounds, and and so you're you go from 270.
0: Yeah, no, no, 240. 240 to, to 172,
1: 172, and you had done like a triathlon in four hours. What did you finish this Ironman in?
0: The full Ironman I did in 12 hours and 19 minutes. Okay. But the biggest thing to look at differences with like the Malibu triathlon, I came in like a hundred and sixtieth the first year I did it, and I came in fourth last year. Wow. So like, that's like progress, that's right? Huge like it's, progress. Yeah, huge it's massive. Pro- progress. Like yeah. I did a 220 Olympic time. Like it's a pretty good time, right? Mm-hmm. If you think about the whole thing. So, like that's progress to me. It's like making a big kind of leap and jump, and and then. Two months later I have a stroke and seizure. But yeah, so anyway, we'll get to that later. I was
1: gonna say, well, well, I mean, how did you feel after completing this triathlon? Well, there's a whole Ironman. I mean
0: it was amazing. It was, it was, it was the hardest physical thing I'd ever done.
1: Yeah.
0: It was um, it was it's a mental battle. It's not necessarily physical. Your body can do it, but it's continuously having gratitude and being in the moment. Like, like hyper presence is not about you being still and doing this, like. Meditation and being meditative are two very different things. Like an Ironman teaches you how to be meditative, because you're swimming for two and a half miles, you're on a bike for 112 miles, and then you run a marathon.
1: Yeah, you're
0: seven hours into this race, and then you got to run a marathon. It's
1: mentally exhausting.
0: Like just to think about that. So you have to think about. You don't have to think about. I think about about doing one of
1: those three things, and I'm basically like, I. And now one of those those, things
0: don't matter. Like once (laughs) you do that, then you're like. Okay, like well, you know, after you do an Iron Man, you're like, oh, wait, should I do a double Iron Man?
1: Like, should I do one? Well, here, is it, a tra- is it a trap? Is that a trap? Do people it's, it's get not- swept away in in the? I think it can in be in the vain glory of it all. I
0: think it can be, and, mm. and and you can see that where people's identities get tied to these things, like mm. you know, like it, it becomes a religion. And that's where I think it gets a little dangerous. Where it's like your life revolves around being this thing. This is your identity.
1: Mm. Um, I think for I the, am an Iron Man. I am an Iron Not, Man. Not I did I've an Iron, Iron Man. Like you know what I mean. And yeah. I think that
0: you know I'm guilty of this. I had that in my profile. I still have Iron Man in my yeah. profile, but that's because I'm proud of that moment that I was able to complete it because of where I came from. Yeah. Not necessarily just because I did one, because where I was able to come from. Because I think a lot of people. They have this perception, I think, sometimes if, if someone's never known me for the last 10 years, like, oh, it's easy for you to do an Ironman. You're like, you sold a company and you're like, oh, it's easy for you to say that because you're like, no, mm. like, it's not easy. Like, I was broke mm. with nothing. I built a business and then I got this outcome. I was fat and I did it this. I was like, I've made these leaps in these different ways. So that's why I consider myself a normal, like, I'm, it's normal. Mm. It's all good. Like, everyone can do what I'm doing. And applying that's just that strategy. It's that perspective. It's that goal-oriented mentality, but finding stillness along the way.
1: But finding stillness along the way. You had to throw that in there. Because it's... that's
0: what I'm doing now. Mm. You know, I'm I'm reflecting on all these things. I'm taking a chance to to take a step back and 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 own own the own the mistakes, own the things that I could have done a little bit better, or handled a little bit better, or relationships. But I think what I'm eventually coming to is that. I'm I'm focused on very essential things. Like, you know, there's a book called Essentialism, highly recommended, Greg McCallum. I ask myself everything that I do, like, what's the purpose behind it? Mm. What's the reason? Is this contributing to my growth? Is this contributing to, you know, where I want to go? Is this essential? And it's interesting that for a lot of people, they say yes to shit that's not essential and it fucks them up. I think there is a finite amount of energy you have during the day. There's a finite things you can do throughout the day Mm. and learning how to say no is one of the best skills you can have.
1: I didn't, I didn't know how to say no for a long time. I'd say Mm. yes to everything. What, What advice would you give to someone that has a hard time saying no to things? You need to
0: learn to cultivate, to take, to ask yourself these questions. Is this essential? Is this getting me to my eventual path of where do I wanna go? Is this covering up something I don't wanna see? Mm. Is it part of my path? And when you get down to all the things, I notice myself with my parents even saying this now, I'm like, you know what? That doesn't feel essential to what we have to like discuss. Like this doesn't feel essential. You tell you say that to your parents? Oh, I do. I, do. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't think this is an essential conversation.
1: Like, I'm sure they uh, love that.
0: No, I mean it's not they do or they don't. It's just that it's opening them up about like, oh, you know what, maybe we shouldn't we don't need to talk about that. Is that like so I ask myself a lot those those
1: questions every day. And especially when you realize you have limited time. Again, it's this goes back to this memento mori, like I'm going to die. So why am I wasting my time on small things? or people that I'm not interested in spending time with or whatever isn't serving, serving my highest, highest purpose. But how, how does one, how did you, you know, and what advice would you give to those? Like, is this essential to what, right? Like I think people, other people, you know, have a hard time with identifying what is essential. So, Again, it's like, is this essential? But is this essential to what? Because I think many of us are kind of just like moving through life confused. Right? Yeah, and I think a lot
0: of it is because we don't we don't spend enough time by ourselves alone mm. in a quiet room, not on our fucking phones, <laughs> on Instagram. But oh, yeah. like, we're terrified of that. We're terrified of being alone by ourselves in a room. Like, it's just something that scares us. Mm. Um, I love it. I love being by myself. I Mm. love taking myself out to dinner. I love cooking myself food. I love treating myself to myself and being like, not that I'm a loner by any means. Like There's like stuff happens at the house all the time, but I like to cultivate being by myself. So I think the first step is you need to cultivate an incredible relationship with yourself and like to be alone by yourself then everything else can be on top of that. Because then you start realizing, well, like, okay, this week, how much time did I actually spend by myself? I've gone to dinner out with people every night, or I've gone to this thing every night, or I've gone to, you know, and we end up get caught up in this thing and then like, I don't get enough sleep and then I'm Mm. like this and I'm tired and blah, 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 blah. Because you didn't do the first thing. You fucked up. You didn't take care of yourself first. Mm. And we have this expectation that we can take care of other people when we don't take care of ourselves. It's crazy. It's madness. Mm. because we've been we've been taught for some reason someone told us that we have to like take care of other people before we take care of ourselves that's what's fucked up a lot of people Mm. they have this crazy notion of that but they don't cultivate that internal love first i think it's all about that initial cultivation of internal love
1: talking about relationships Oh man, I'm probably the worst
0: person to talk to about relationships. I'm not. That's a, why we got to talk about it. I don't, I don't know. I don't. I, th- that's the one thing I, I I I'm still figuring out. Right. Mm. I was engaged for two and a half years. Mm. I, I'm not. Was that's the key key yeah. phrase.
1: And um, so, when was this? How old were you?
0: This was last year.
1: Last year. Mm-hmm. Ended the engagement last year, so. Yeah. Well. May have. What happened May of last year? Um. It just
0: didn't work out, you know, we're in a public forum, so it's a little challenging I, to talk you about You said this. nothing was off limits. You're, I did say nothing was <laughs> off limits, so I have to be very careful on how I-, I uh,
1: But no, that's I, that's that's totally fine. I, I appreciate that, um, that honesty. I mean, I think this is one of the great challenges of life. This is something that I, I struggle with personally, and I think that many people struggle with. You know, you cultivate self-love, you cultivate awareness and then you fall in love and it's like what the fuck like i thought i was good by myself now i'm spending time by myself after you know i'm in a long distance relationship so we'll come together for two weeks then we'll be apart for six it's like i thought i was good and then two weeks of alone time goes by and i feel myself like grasping attachment, you know, like, trying to fill holes with that other with the other. And it's like, I think relationship is such an incredible, um, such an incredible tool to mirror, it's mirror, exactly. So it's powerful, powerful medicine. um, In this path towards self love. And so yeah, I just I I asked because I find, you know, as someone so accomplished as you are and clearly so focused, it's like, how can we make time for the other in yeah, that space? I
0: think in the honest truth, as I unpack more and more, is that timing is essential for all things. Mm. And I think when the time is right for me, it will become my relentless focus. Mm. And I will love someone so deeply and and then build something with that person um
1: what would an ideal relationship look like
0: for right now it's just a bunch of playtime what would it (laughs) (laughs) it's a bunch of playtime
1: i mean it's 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 interesting like uh, because the you know finding that time to fall in love with yourself and to you know be with yourself and and get comfort i agree i think many of us are afraid of of that um you know, I see so many people entering into relationships where it's and I've I I I dated the same person for 7 years. Um we I bought the ring, I was engaged to be married. I was 25 at the time. You know, we had developed this codependency. This kind of like you're funny, I'm not funny. So when we come together like there's like a funny couple, right? Like you're good at math, I'm good at writing. I'm I'm a painter, like so that makes a whole and it's kind of this like two parts make a whole type of codependency in a relationship. And I've been through that and saw the, you know, the challenge of not, of not feeling whole in myself because I was filling these gaps with relationship. And so I think I just see so many people, you know, falling into these pattern, this pattern of just like the, the comfort of having someone else there but not necessarily the appreciation and love that, you know, they deserve for themselves. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And so you were training for this Ironman while you were in, while you were engaged. The beginning stages,
0: yes. Um, I was, I was like three months in and, you know, that's also part of what drifted things apart was that having a relationship with an athlete is very different. Like you have to understand my ex met me when I was this like hyper driven CEO that wanted to build a billion dollar company that had just sold the company. It was like one month after I sold the business. So I was like, this this completed. Then I leave and I'm like, oh, I don't wanna do anything. I wanna focus on my health. Then I wanna train as an athlete. Like those are very extremes. Like those are big differences that needed, that's what I needed to do to cultivate my soul. So that can create instability in a relationship, right? That can create all these other things that make you, you know, and Unfortunately just like that was one of the catalysts that, that probably just didn't make it work out.
1: And 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 that makes sense. I mean we we outgrow, right? We change. We change, for sure. We change. And I did.
0: I know I did. Mm-hmm. I changed in a, in an extreme way, right? I mean, I was basically an alcoholic at the time. And then I become sober. Like I haven't had a drink in fifteen months. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Um like these are extremes. Like you're out every weekend partying and then you're not. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and people start to fall away.
0: They do completely. Like this is like it's an interesting place. Like this is a sober house, right? Like we don't mm. like we don't we do other things so mm-hmm. we're not there's no alcohol here. Which I think alcohol is the worst right i mean you no, know, there's worse but it's it's pretty it's bad. the
1: worst in that it's so accepted it's so ex- like and, it's like it's
0: like oh you don't you know you're just having i just, I just having don't I, to be honest i don't get it anymore like i just don't it's like no one
1: would just be like oh i'm just having a line of cocaine like you know yeah. just just hanging out like yeah you know it's I, it's all good i just, I just don't, need a quick I don't,
0: hit i don't get it i don't get it but that's just me
1: yeah no i i feel you i and and you know, in that experience, I guess, not even specific to this relationship, but I imagine going from high powered CEO to relentlessly focused on your personal fitness, a lot of people disappeared. For sure. I don't know if I was a high powered
0: CEO by any means. I was just like a regular, CEO. a, a medium powered CEO. <laughs> I don't know. I, to call regular. I, don't, I don't consider myself special mm. at all, but yeah, it's a complete it's a opposite, like complete opposite. Mm. Cause you start caring about things differently. Like, like, you don't go out because you have to be up at 5am training. You don't drink because you it's going to fuck you up. You don't Mm. have the same friends because your friends want to party and you want to go out on a run. You lose people, Mm. but it's for the great. I mean,
1: even in the last
0: even the last like three months, like since my my Mm. whole thing, I've I've completely rethought of the people I want I want around my life. Like Mm. if you're not like if you're not fully contributing to the path of growth, you're, mm. sorry. And that's the thing, people are so afraid. That's the other catalyst that I'm saying. Like, People are so afraid to lose people that shouldn't be in their life because yeah. they have the story that they should be there. Like cut the fucking cord, move on. Find other people to be friends with that maybe help you grow a little bit better. We're stuck in this like thing like, oh my God, I have to be this way because maybe my friends won't accept me. Do you know how many times I would go out and I wouldn't have a drink, and everyone's drinking at the restaurant. And they'd be like, why aren't you drinking? That's I was like. I was like, fuck off. Yeah. I'm drinking because I don't want to drink. I have shit to do tomorrow morning. Yeah. Like, are you afraid to do that? Are you afraid to be the person that's outside the box? Are you afraid not to fit in? Well, it's, are you
1: built to fit in? Are, are we? Have we all been built to fit in? And possibly, possibly we're, we're programmed, you know, from a young af- age. Because we're afraid to, to
0: leave the tribe. Yeah,
1: exactly. But we're not living in those worlds anymore no I, I I hear you I think I think you're onto something with this. this is a really I want to pull on this thread a little bit because i I feel like I feel like we are so quick to alter our behavior to be accepted by others at the expense of ourselves hundred percent and that's so. It's, it's actually like the definition of insanity completely, <laughs> completely, <laughs> but like, but all, I mean, not all of us, cause some of us better than others, but myself like included, like I, you know, do this all the time, right? Like do some, I don't want to do that. Well, they want me to do that. So, I mean, one you know. great example to me is sleep. I think
0: it's a great callus of all this stuff. Where like, and lately I've been really prioritizing my sleep, mostly mm. because I just had brain surgery, but I'm really pri- <laughs> but I'm really pri- prioritizing my sleep above all else. Whereas I eat dinner at 5 30 to 6 mm. and I'm in my bed by 8 o'clock and wow. I'm probably asleep by 8 30. Like no uh, weekends, no what time matter do you what. you wake up. When the sun comes up? Fuck yeah. Six, six thirty. That's so beautiful. Today was five thirty. Um, yeah, you like, like, like you're coming in for
1: the podcast. Like, I've been up
0: for five and a half hours. I've gotten so much shit done. Like, and we're just like, you're like, here we go. Another I, thing to do during the I'm day. I'm trying to
1: get I'm. I've been trying to get up at 7.30. That's my like. That's, that's great, my man. Goal as time. long
0: as you get your hours. But like, I'll say no to so much stuff. Because I'm like, like you'll see. Go look at my text. Hey, you want to go to this? Like, no, I need to prioritize my sleep. I'll literally say that to people. Mm-hmm. I have to prioritize my sleep. Because what I'm saying is... Is I. It's not that I don't want to go out. It's not that I want to go to hear a concert or go to Mardeleva play or whatever. It's such a <laughs> <happened> this weekend. <laughs> I've been listening to them all weekend. Shit, yeah, 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 everybody, shit, everybody, everybody yeah, everyone was there. Yeah, the whole crew. Like it's not that I don't want to be there. <laughs> it's just the fact is like no, I gotta prioritize my sleep because I know how much I'll feel like shit if I don't get it. Yeah. I know, I know, I know, and I think a lot of us are in that same same boat. We're afraid to wake up in the morning and be like, "I wasn't in that Instagram photo. What the fuck? Yeah, I wasn't there. Why wasn't I there? I could have had a great time. Like, eh, actually, the thing you
1: probably needed was two more hours of sleep. And then then you go there, and you're like wishing that you hadn't gone because you you're like shit. Now I'm not going to get done what I wanted to get done. And this is so. This is so like. This is such a a core fundamental, um, important, I don't want to call it an issue or a challenge. Maybe it's a challenge of life is why relationship I think is so important because whether it be a romantic relationship or a friendship, it's like this concept of compromise. I don't know where, I don't really know where I fall in the spectrum of, is relationship about compromise is compromise a bad thing is it a dirty word like i'm compromising my values i'm compromising my goals i'm compromising my mission i'm compromising my focus to appease the other in this relationship fuck that like how much is how much is intention but like if the intention in the compromise is like i love this person i want to spend time with this person okay it's going to affect my sleep tonight you know, like, is that kind of compromise okay? But then at what's the cost?
0: I think the entire issue is more people are trying to fuck themselves than to unfuck themselves. <laughs> right? Your goal every day should be to unfuck, unfuck yourself. yourself. Yeah. Right? Like, to unpack all the things. Like, I look at, dude, I, I see it every day where it's like people, like, Let's just even talk about the drinking. Like, like I'll I'll talk to someone on a Sunday and we're supposed to go on a hike and they're like, oh my God, I'm hungover. I went out last night and I had so much stuff to do. And like, I just fucked myself. And it's like, you've done that for the last 10 weeks. Mm. Like, when are you going to decide that you don't want to, you don't want to fuck yourself anymore to the things that you actually want to get done to level up in your life? When are you deciding that you become more important than all the other things that you're going out for your life? When does the attachment of external mechanisms change for you? When do you decide that? What what needs to happen in your life for that change? It's like a question I I ask my friends legitimately because the goal should not be continuously digging yourself a larger hole you can't get out.
1: Get the fuck out of the hole and move on. Hmm. Unfuck yourself respect i mean i you know like absolutely i'm someone that on the last episode that i recorded i was chatting with andrew horn and i was talking to him about men's work and self-growth and like you know what happens when your crew used to do in a fraternity it's like what happens when you know you're hanging out with the frat brothers and it's just like talking about that you know that hot chick and and that part that crazy party night and you're just like i don't want to talk about this shit anymore like i'm just i'm like it's fun every now and again but i'm over it right and and yet continuing to put yourself back in that situation for what reason well because they're your friends right so it's like that that instinct that just fuck it cut it is so much harder right because we we, because we're still we still have these
0: primate wirings that this is our tribe if we get kicked out of the tribe we won't have food tomorrow Mm. there's still that wiring but that's not the reality of the world we live in. Now we have to transcend our primate wiring that if we lose this tribe, we will have food and our life will go on. We were built for so long. We have to remember all this shit is new. It's the paradigm we live in now, but we have these, you know, traits that are built into our genome that say, if we get kicked out of the tribe, we die, Mm. which is why we continuously stay in the tribe, but we're not living in sub-Saharan Africa anymore, hunting lions and shit. Yeah, we're in fucking Venice Beach and trying. You know, I'm like, a nice view. We're in the Palisades now. Right? We're <laughs> in Venice Beach, and we are just around our friends, and we can continue to grow from there. So I think it's just it's just one of those things that we have to realize the paradigm that we're in mm. and transcend and grow that that paradigm. My entire life has been this concept of trying to unfuck the things I fucked in myself. And I could I mean, there's probably books around titles about this. Go and fuck yourself or something yeah, like that. I'm sure. I'm sure there's somebody that wrote a
1: book we we'll, we'll find it. We'll, we'll find, find it and
0: link to it in the in the show notes. But yeah. like, it's just,
1: that's the reality. Man, there's like, we've been taught, we've been going for a while now. And like, there's so much more that I want to ask you. So I'm going to try to. We can do a part two. Yeah, I'd love to do. I'd love to do a part two. Um, I'd love to do a part two. I I was curious. Hmm. I'm curious about where we, to go back to where we started, and maybe that can bring us full circle in this episode. I'm curious about 90 days ago. I'm curious about, you know, this surgery that you went through, this experience, and how much of this philosophy that you're speaking right now was there even 90 days before that experience, because you were already doing, you had already done the triathlon, you had already done the business, you know, you obviously had this laser focused mentality of like, I'm getting my, sh- I'm unfucking myself. But like, what accelerated and or changed for you 90 days ago?
0: I'll preface with, I think me finding out I had a cavernoma, which is a fancy word to say a brain tumor, which is a bunch of blood vessels that blew up in my brain that caused a hemorrhage, just to give context. Yeah was the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm. Reason is, is because it allowed me to cultivate the most important thing that I need to learn right now in my life, which is like this concept of really being still. And um, what changed was that my perspective on my reality Mm. completely flipped because the day before I was like, I'm kind of like, I'm good. Like, I'm like, if you look at probably most of our friend groups, I was probably one of the healthier people like, invent, like, in this group, right? Yeah. Like, people are just like, holy shit, how'd that happen to you? Like, you're the guy that runs, like, every day and, like, perfect all this. Yeah. Like, how does that thing happen to you? And so it's, like, this awakening of, like, you know, the one thing I could get is a brain tumor, right? Like, like everything yeah. else probably wouldn't... So it woke well, me it, up to it the also, fact... It shows you what's outside of your control. 100%, which is that pretty much most things. So it's, like, it became this thing that, like, I have to cultivate this thing inside of me that isn't an external, like, I have to run every day or I have to, like it it it's an internal stillness it's an internal quiet it's an internal ability to just be still and like in the moment just like stop everything mm-hmm. and just be with that and i think that's like for me that's a really powerful mechanism um and that's really what changes this concept is just like you know this where we just kind of experience in a probably for anyone listening they don't know what just happened but something just happened
1: Hmm. justin thanks for coming on the show i really appreciate it honored
0: brother thank you for reaching out open happy to help
1: and your story so beautiful so much so much to learn um just really really grateful for you coming on thank you brother Likewise. All right. Hello, look up listeners. One final note before we go. Thank you again for tuning in. Going forward, we'll be releasing new episodes of Look Up every Wednesday morning, Eastern time. If you're getting value from this podcast and you want to give back to support our future, please take a moment to contribute to our community on Patreon. Our Patreon contributors have access to some great additional perks, including one-on-one meditations with yours truly. I've shared the link in the show notes below the episode. You can also find the show notes to this and previous episodes on our website, www.thelookuppodcast.com. If you can't contribute at this time, there are other helpful ways to give back. You can share this episode on social media, tag me, and or leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Trust me, every review goes a long way. If you want more content, including more of my personal thoughts, you can follow me on social media. My handle on both Instagram and Twitter is at W A R C M E I N S T E I N. or you can subscribe to the Look Up weekly newsletter on my website. I'm also very responsive to email, so feel free to send questions, booking inquiries, Speaking requests and sponsorship opportunities to MARC at thelookuppodcast.com. Finally, for those of you that don't know, I lead virtual yoga, breathwork, and meditation classes, as well as one on one coaching and teaching sessions, which you can book from the website or my social media accounts. Thank you to Sam Palumbo and Patch Kid Music for the great intro and outro tunes and for the sound engineering. Thank you, brother. And thank you to all of you listeners for continuing to support the show, for tuning in, and I hope that you've been enjoying this journey as much as I have.